content, content, content. Netflix, Hulu, HBO, all the streaming services a boy could dream of having are just waiting for me to put on, like a comfy old jacket in my closet. I tell myself it's my solemn duty to keep up with the times, my job even, which I doubt my wife believes when I've fallen asleep for the third night in a row now watching Tiger King. When it became clear that we may be in our homes for a while because of this virus, I heard from folks a number of times watching Netflix might be the only thing that gets us through. When the days turn to weeks and the weeks turn to months and Zoom everything stops feeling novel, starts feeling desperate. So it would stand to reason then, when all other forms of company subside, that the TV shows that filled our downtime could replace our boredom and eventually our loneliness. After all, that carousel of juicy new titles never seems to end. Until, of course, when it does. And more importantly, that endless library of new content didn't come out of thin air. It comes from the hard work of thousands of people who work in film and TV, the actors and directors, and also the camera operators, line producers, makeup artists. The entertainment we consume is made by a startling number of people. People who are, for the most part, now sitting at home watching Netflix, too. Up until two weeks ago, Thomas was a set dresser on a network drama. It's a job to make a fake set look and feel like a real place somewhere in the world. But to most of us, he's just a line of white text scrolling down a black screen at the end of an episode. But there are enough set dresses in Hollywood that they have their own union, Local 44, looking out for them. That means health care, a pension, and protection against tough times or unforgiving producers. It's not easy to get that kind of security in Hollywood. It took Thomas four years of non-union gigs to earn that security, which is why he's decided to use a fake name for this interview. He's only been in the Local 44 union now for months, but thanks to them, he's working steadily, or was, until March. How would you describe your employment situation right now? Thomas talked to our producer, Tanner Robbins. My employment status is technically laid off. From Neon Hum Media, this is Telescope. I'm your host, Jonathan Hirsch. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the foreseeable future, we're going to bring you stories of people who are far away, up close, and how each of us are learning to live through this pandemic. Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about a new show I'm really excited about and enjoying a lot. It's hosted by married couple Kumail Nanjiani and Emily V. Gordon. It's not a show about the coronavirus, but it is a show about the do's and don'ts of staying inside during this extremely bizarre situation we find ourselves in. It offers cool movie, TV, and video game recommendations, along with advice from these longtime experts working from home and staying indoors. The show also features calls with their friends and family to check in and offer tips on how everyone is keeping their heads on straight while socially isolating. All proceeds from the podcast go to charities for people hardest hit by the virus. To listen to the show, just search for Staying In with Emily and Kumail in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Okay, back to the show. Thomas is the kind of guy who could make conversation with a lamppost. 
He enjoys his work so much so that he'd work seven days a week if they asked. Thomas is taking the virus seriously now, but as with most of us, that wasn't the case early on. Uh, well, when I first heard about the coronavirus, my level of concern wasn't entirely too high. At work, we started to kind of slowly more and more signs would be posted, you know, wash your hands, wash your hands, you know what I mean, Ar around the office. And then more and more hand sanitizing stations would appear and more and more people would start talking about it and saying the words coronavirus and all of that. So really, when it really began to set in for me, it was March 12th. It was a Thursday. I had been reading on Facebook in our kind of shared union Facebook page. Other shows were shutting down. Other shows were starting to shut down, thinking about shutting down. I was uh, just cutting some wood pieces to fit into some pipe or something like that with another guy. And I turned to him, I said, hey, do you think... Uh, you think we're going to have work stoppage? And he stopped and turned and he said, I do. I, we're definitely going to have one. And, and what started out as jokingly being like, oh, if I have to miss opening day Dodger baseball, I'm going to be so upset. Ha ha ha. Turned into, oh my God, I think, you know, the show's going to be shut down and we're going to be out of work. And that changed within two weeks. I mean, it was rapid. Thomas is one of more than 100,000 film and entertainment workers whose shows screeched to a halt in early March. All of them gig workers, with little protections from the harsh reality of a recession. A recession that seems, at least for the moment, highly likely. So, and you were, after this show was going to end, you were going to go on to something else, right? You would line something else up. Yep, yep. And it was postponed as well. Everything's been pushed back. The situation has gotten so dire for workers that our usually gridlocked Congress is putting partisanship aside to pass a massive $2 trillion relief bill. Thomas's union usually leverages its strength against production companies and studios. But now they have to work at the federal level to get protections for their workers. So far, the union has reached out about getting us represented in the coronavirus bill. Um, they're trying to get us as union gig workers, entertainment workers involved with that because we are at a full work stoppage without any way of continuing our work. Thomas's union ran a last second email campaign to convince Congress that gig workers and the self-employed deserve to get unemployment benefits. It's something that Congress has resisted doing for years, which doesn't leave much room for hope. Do you have like a um, any kind of backup plan? Like say in five months or you're nearing five months and like people still haven't started shooting again. I mean, I know that's like worst case scenario. We have no idea what's going to happen. But do you have any idea like what you might do in that kind of circumstance? I've, I have been thinking about this and I think I would try to possibly work in some sort of other capacity in this entertainment industry. I mean, I still have other skills that are computer-based that I think are useful. Like, you know, I'm proficient in Excel. I know Illustrator and Photoshop and, you know, other various programs. The union has also sent emails with links to grocery stores that also have 
unions, which I, I didn't know grocery stores have unions, but uh, and their union is a, an affiliate of ours in some way. And uh, I don't know, maybe eventually I'll just start working at a grocery store just to not only help out, but also just kind of keep my sanity and have a daily routine that I can count on. Keep in mind, Thomas is a highly specialized worker. He pays his union a cut of his paycheck every month so they'll have his back. When Local 44 calls Thomas, it's usually because they have a set dressing job for him. But there are no set dressing jobs out there. Actually, a job restocking grocery shelves is probably one of the few jobs Thomas could get, which means Local 44 is about as helpless as he is right now. Did you expect the union to have your back a little more in this kind of crisis? I would have thought there would have been a little bit more communication. Um, I don't expect the union to pay my bills. Of course I don't. But I do expect and I do hope that they are in constant contact with these major studios and production companies, at least trying to negotiate something for us. Because we, I mean, just like everyone else, we need economic relief and some sooner than others. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The entertainment industry is built on contract workers. Thomas doesn't work for a production company or studio. When he's on a show, Thomas's loyalties lie with his fellow workers. When he's not, he has to fend for himself. What what is I guess what worries you most now? Like, what are you what are you thinking now that you're not working? Well, I think what worries me the most now, especially that I'm not working, is is definitely money. I was one of the lucky ones to have joined the union, got on two really good projects, and then got to work for the past I mean, the past five months since I got in. Really, I've been working very steadily if not full-time, day-to-day. But there are a lot of people that weren't as lucky as me and had worked since October of last year. You know, I'm also pretty worried about the other guys in my industry that have, you know, two kids, a wife and two kids at home, and how are they going to put food on the table for them? I mean, they, you know, this is an expensive city. Rent isn't cheap. Mortgages aren't cheap either for the people that own their homes. And a lot of people that are in my industry have spouses that are also in this industry who are probably also without work. So now you have, you know, uh, both of the parents out of work and you got two kids that aren't at school. 
and who knows when work will start back up. So, I mean, that's just a that's just a kick to the gut, I feel, and it's also a kick to the gut to be so brand new to the union. Having this better work, getting paid more for what I do, and having my work appreciated, and then all of a sudden having the rug ripped out from underneath you, and no one knows when it'll start again. You have a roommate who also works in the film industry, right? So uh, the roommate I currently live with works in the film industry as well as a editor. Right, and has her work been affected at all by this? She has the ability to work remotely, so she's, you know, still able to work, still able to be gainfully employed during the uh, virus. She's probably got a while before we run out of footage that needs to be cut together. Last week, Congress passed their $2 trillion coronavirus relief bill. In it, they recognized for the first time in U.S. history that gig workers and the self-employed deserve unemployment benefits. They even increased the benefits so people like Thomas will be able to stay afloat in a city as expensive as L.A. How long do you think you could go without work? In terms of finances, I think several months. I think probably five months, six months maybe, maybe longer. I just hope that we can get through this thing. I mean, I'm trying to do my part. I'm trying to stay inside as much as possible, only go to the store, um, not hoard, buy things so other people have a chance to purchase items. And I just hope that we can, as they say, flatten the curve and get this thing over with. You know, no one wants to be doing this, and I, I, I don't. I want to be able to go outside and go to restaurants and live my life as it once was. But I'm 100% willing and able to change my life if that means that we can all just collectively get back to ours. A big thank you to Thomas for sharing his story. This is a tough time. It's hard to know what the future holds. Sometimes it's even hard to know what day of the week it is. For your reference, it happens to be Friday. I checked. So every once in a while, we'll try to share a touch of extra hopeful content for you on Telescope. Okay, I'll start. My mom, she sent me this recording from the balcony of her home in Fairfax, California this week. So yeah, we won't be able to see one another all the time in these days of isolation. But I guess that doesn't mean that we can't all, occasionally, share a little howl at the proverbial moon. Thanks, Mom, for sending this my way. And on that note, we would love to hear what your life in isolation sounds like, too. So please send us a voice memo or other audio recording of what your life sounds like right now. Title it Postcard and email us at pitches at neonhum.com. Telescope is made possible by the irreplaceable team of producers, editors, and engineers that make up Neon Hum Media. I miss you guys so much. A big thanks to Tanner Robbins, who reported and produced today's episode. It was edited by Catherine St. Louis, Vikram Patel, and me. Our engineer is Scott Somerville. Thanks to Matt McGinley for our theme music and to Blue Dot Sessions for additional tracks you hear on this episode. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Neon Hum Media. We want to stay connected to you during this unprecedented time in our history, so please don't be shy. 
Share your stories with us. Our DMs are open. Be sure, if you like this program, to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. If you have a story of life and isolation because of the coronavirus that you would like to share, email us at pitches at neonhum.com. I'm Jonathan Hirsch. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday.